podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, mates. It's the midweek fix. We're back on the cans because that's how we walk. Well, I am. I don't know about the rest of the lads. We'll find out in a minute. Um, the midweek fix this week is brought to you by Sienna Steps. She's about 4,000 short of our 120,000 target, which is unbelievable. Um, there's loads of stuff going on for Sienna over the next couple of weeks before she flies out to America. So make sure you check the description and you will see the link there to her go for me. And you can help her get to that 120 grand. I look very weird tonight. My hair's all over the shop. I don't know what's going on. But tonight's show, anyway, um, is uh, we're going to talk about a Klopp masterclass on Sunday because Liverpool ain't getting enough credit. And to back that up, we're going to talk about how good Liverpool were. We're going to preview Preston. Um, we're definitely going to do that. We're going to have a little look at Canate, um, just holding the Man United side off with one arm. And we're going to have a look at Keita as well. And then we're going to go into winners and losers, which I can tell you this week is an absolute... It's packed with great stuff this week, winners and losers, I have to say. Packed, packed, packed with great stuff. Uh, just an update for you. Um, Chelsea won on penals in the uh, League Cup tonight at, against Southampton. I think Sunderland knocked QPR out and Arsenal beat Leeds. Um, so with me tonight on the show there, you can see Kev O'Sullivan, Conroy and uh, Chris Brack, who is on beer. Great stuff. Conroy is probably on tea. Kev, I think, is on tea. Um, but me and Chris are just alcoholics so um, we're, doing, we're flying um, but as I said we're going to have loads of positivity here tonight we're going to talk about that United game a bit more if that's okay with everybody and um, go through a load of bits but the winners and losers I promise are brilliant this week um, if you're in here and you're watching please smash the like button please subscribe if you haven't already share whatever you need to do go and do that loads of fellas that are on this show just keep giving out to me for not, for not saying that so I'm saying it now Um Okay, let's get going. Kev, I'm going to come to you first because, yeah. you know, Liverpool uh, dismantled Manchester United on Sunday um, afternoon slash evening at Old Trafford. We all know what score it was. And um, after the game, even across media, you know, Sky, wherever it might be, the vast majority was a discussion about how bad United were and how... Um, all over the place, the yard or the shambles to this, that, and the other, and and we tried to we tried to bring something on Sunday night where we gave a mix of how good Liverpool were, and also um how bad United were, and we got drunk and we started talking karaoke songs, and it was it all went all over the place. But I wanted to talk about Jurgen Klopp. I wanted to start with that, Kev, because I don't think he's being given enough credit for what he's done there on Sunday going into that game. I don't know if you agree with me, Kev, and if you do, would you like to give him some credit? Oh, look, I mean, at the end of the day, all I said last week on any pod that I was on is play the game, not the occasion. And he's done it perfectly. He made changes. He made the right changes, to be fair. If you look back in hindsight, with the amount of games that some players have been playing and the fact that I guarantee you, Kanate knew he was playing in that game for a good while. he'd He'd have primed himself ready for that game and he'd have studied the movement of the players, he'd have watched the Atlanta game, he knew what he was getting himself into. Klopp doesn't leave anything to chance. And bar a couple of efforts in the first half that they had, they were they were schooled. They really were schooled. It was men against boys at, at by the end of it. It was it was like um it was like a schoolboy game with the best and worst 
against each other. It was better, the fact that for the last 20 minutes, we, we exposed them for what they were. And they're just a poor football side against a very good, well-drilled side who, irrespective of what changes were made, they know the system. They know the runs. They know how each other plays. I saw a tweet there tonight, and I, d- I was going to send it to you, and I didn't. But it was a t- it was Bobby Firmino's touch map for the for the game, mm-hmm. and the guy's description of it was, it was like we were playing with two number tens for where he was picking the ball. He pick- he had about six touches in the box. Everything else was in midfield, all over the place. Linking up the play, he just went unnoticed by everyone, and. Just did the neat and tidy stuff. Kept it moving. Kept finding space. Never let anyone settle. That's not by accident. That's well drilled. A well drilled side in action. You know, we saw it against when they played Atlanta the other night. We were like, you can't do this. You can't play this four-two-four against good sides. A good side will punish you. Paul Scholes was bang on. You know, in all fairness, he is it. Try that against Liverpool and see what happens. It'll be three or four nil. He was right. It was and, three and then four. Yeah, and, and like staying with you before I move on to Chris and Conroy. Mm. You know, United were poor, and I'm going to spoiler alert. I'm going to upend United again in about forty-five minutes, right? But is is this Kev down to Klopp because he looks at that right? I seen a comment today on 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 social media where it said. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer sent United out the press high, but his players weren't too sure of the exact instruction. And this is what led. Now, for me, that's a complete lie, right? It's, it's, um, it's madness what's coming out, and, and I'll, get, I'll get on to it later. Yeah. But, just, but do you have to give credit to Klopp here? Because, yes, he probably tells Kanate well in advance that he's playing because he's going to deal, and Shawnee and others have touched on it, Jamie, the other night, that the pace of Rashford... Right, I think Rashford up against Trent one on one is a great battle. Yeah. But Trent wants to go the other way, and they'll try cheat and put Rashford in that channel. So Kanate's pace is, is good. It's yeah, a good they move. did. That's a, go- that's a good move. He keeps Kate in the side despite what went on during the week. Um, he scores a goal. He's probably a fault for two of uh, the two. Well, partly a fault for the two. Of partly the two a goals, fault for both. But he puts them back in. Gets them straight back in. Right now, that yeah. may be down to numbers, but he puts them straight back in. He could have done Jones. And then the Firmino thing, where I think Firmino literally drops in and nearly makes it a diamond in midfield, knowing that these centre-halves were a half a press on the sides and these centre-halves willing to follow you. There's just going to be acres in behind. I think Klopp sees this well in advance and puts the players and the system and the movement in place. Because let's be honest about it, Liverpool weren't scintillating, but they were so efficient in their movement and their touch and how they got around Manchester United. That I think Klopp has to take massive, massive credit for this. Did you watch Match of the Day? Match of the Day 2. Did you see the analysis no, after? No, I can't, I can't bring myself it to was, watch it, Kev. It was actually really worth it because they did a piece on Naby and Jordan Henderson. And they, you know when they put the two circles around the two players? Yeah. And they did that yeah, from it was. It was really good. It was actually really good. They did really it from McCommon and Fred. And they were all over the shop. One was going, one was... They were just all over the shop. Now, bear in mind that Naby and Jordan Henderson had never played with each other in the two, ever as far as I can remember anyway, not in a meaningful game. They were so in sync. Once one went, the other was, was behind on the cover. And it was constant all the time. There was no gaps in between. There was no ball that could get through them to get into Ronaldo. 
to cause them problems. It was just little things like that. The club is that they've they're it's a combination of everything. It's the players know how after years of doing it, the players' willingness to do it after years of hearing the same voice telling them to do it. And then the manager having the craft to know how to motivate these players year after year after year after year. It's so rare that you see a manager at any club these days at the top, top level stay in a job for as long as Klopp and Pep are without having big drop-offs. I mean, our drop-off last year was purely injury-driven. But in general, our standards for the last two and a half, three seasons are ridiculous. And that's mainly down to Klopp's motivation and being able to keep the players up. It, it's phenomenal how he does it. You know, it's it's a craft. It's a real craft. And the guy's a, the guy's a fucking genius, let's be fair. Yeah, he is. He is a genius. Chris, I'm going to come on to you and I'm going to talk to you about a player and I'm going to talk to Conroy about a player. So I'm going to give you Ibrahima Kanati. Um, that's his pass map against Manchester United. As you'll see, he, he completes the vast majority of those um the vast majority of those passes, um, I think there's a couple there they're showing us failed um, near their box, but I think they might be more interceptions than anything else, and I think they, they claim as a pass or whatever. But, like, as Kev said, and, and I, I tend to agree with him, Chris, he's been, he's been earmarked for this. Um, I don't think Klopp throws him in a way at Old Trafford and tells him on a Wednesday or Thursday. Um, I think he's been earmarked, and, and they've looked at it, and, and it's probably been confirmed in Klopp's mind over the last... Um, week or so looking at Matip and maybe a bit tired and you know how you know how kind of fragile Matip can be at times. But but talking about Ibrahim Kanati, um like what a game to come in and play, Chris, first of all. And second of all, you know, the way he's just manhandling fellas around the place and straight in, 21, 22 years of age, going straight into the middle of the United players when, when it kicks off and and as if to say like I don't give a fuck if this is my fourth away game. I don't care if it's Manchester United. I don't care if it's Old Trafford. I don't care if it's live on a Super Sunday. Um, I'm in here and this is who I am. I just thought it was brilliant from start to finish from. Oh, mate, it was awesome. It was pretty much seamless. Uh, and that's the biggest compliment I give him. You've, it's like you've been playing in that position for four or five years for Liverpool. Mm. Um, the bit I liked him, it, coming wide, he's not, he's not afraid to get the ball. He's very front foot. Uh, and the one thing where he probably has the edge over Gomez is the one that Gomez does get done for is the ball over the top uh, in the air. It's still probably a weakness of Gomez that he's he's got to work on, but look, he cleared everything up. And uh, I must admit, that Ronaldo moment where he kicks Jones showed me Liverpool are back mentally. Uh, yeah. Because I think you and me were on a pod uh, after we got beat by Chelsea 1-0. Mm-hmm. And similar happened to Gino Ronaldo. I know we'll give a shit. They all just yeah. stood there and watched it happen. Nothing yeah. happened. Whereas here, the whole team got around him, you know, bodied certain ones, you know, throwing Fred on like a rag doll. It was like watching a wrestling move um, for those who watch. It was hilarious. But no, he was brilliant. Um, I, I like the fact he's front forth. It's a ha- it's typical Liverpool. It's risk-reward. Um, and I was amazed, because uh, I did the pre-show, how many heads were falling off that he was started. And people having this head that he, because he's fourth choice, that, you know, you, you thought it was like I was putting... Re- to respect, I was putting Reese Williams on the side. You know, he was brilliant. You know, this is a, this is a lad who's not won't be far off being a regular for France soon. You know, he's immense. He's brilliant, and this is what Liverpool can do now, which we couldn't do last year. Which is, we can now do horses for courses. Which is, it'll be Canati for Man United away, but maybe for Spurs at home, it'll be Gomez because Gomez is better at covering in behind. 
it was immense. It was brilliant. And it gave Trent that little bit more freedom that he probably can't do with Matip because of the pace element of him. Uh, but also, he looks comfortable when he goes to right back. You know, he doesn't look like a headless chicken and really clever passing. So I, I thought it was brilliant. I thought he was brilliant as well. And, you know, with the huge thing we've seen from Matip, um, for me, is the way he takes the ball out. He takes the ball out and he commits, he maybe commits a forward to, to follow him or he, he commits a midfielder to come out of shape. Now, there wasn't an awful lot of shape to Manchester United at the weekend, but I've seen little things from Canati as well where, you know, as the first half in particular progressed, he was basically going, there's space here, I'm going into it. And he was going in and popping balls into the forwards or, or just, even, even just bringing a 15 yards and then getting it to Trent, which was getting Trent 15 yards up the pitch or committing another player that meant two couldn't close Trent, it was one-on-one and he could pick his pass. I just thought he was it was unbelievable, and you know when when you see the size of him, um, how quick he is, strong, good in the air, good passer, um, not afraid of nobody. Like for him to run into that, for the biggest play is great, but the biggest thing for me is when that happens, he goes straight in, he goes for Ronaldo, then he has a bit of Bruno Fernandez, then Fred comes over, he has a bit of him as well. And I said it on Sunday, I think if if Virgil Van Dijk had looked him the wrong way, he would have given Virgil a slap as well, as if to say. You, you stand there. You see, besides him, though, Gav, he is bigger than Virgil. The guy is massive. I think if if anybody was that built, I think you'd be quite fancy yourself in any fight. To be fair, yeah, like, and, so I don't and, think he's even scared of anybody. But but it's the confidence in him. It's the it's a oh, self confidence to go in there because, like, we've all seen high profile ish players, you know, in big games, and and they shy away from that. You know, this is his first yeah. away game for Liverpool. He plays a Palace, plays a home of Palace. But this is his first game, and he just goes in as if to say. Like, oh, Virgil's in, I'm in as well then. Robbo's in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And, and they were all in. And, and you're right, what you say, Chris, mentally, that they weren't standing around. And we, we've, we've said it loads of time on this show, and you've, you've heard, you'll hear it on another Liverpool podcast or, or maybe um, from pundits and stuff, Liverpool can be a bit nice at times. Not falling down in a, in a mental state or not mentally weak, but sometimes it can be a bit nice and a bit, oh, is that a free ref or is that a yellow ref? But you could see on Sunday they were like all over the ref for everything. Absolutely everything, and I loved it. But I thought I thought it was brilliant, and I thought we we should have we should give Kanate a little chat um, tonight. He got a bit of a chat on Sunday night, but I thought it'd be fair to just single him out and just have a look exactly how he was, and he was brilliant. And Conroy, the next pair I want to come on to is Naby Keita. Now he splits opinion massively, but amongst the Liverpool fan base, I don't think talent was. I think it's availability and maybe it's consistency and and is he is he strong enough? Is he strong enough physically to to keep up with what Liverpool are looking to do? And we've seen signs over the last little while that maybe he is. He's built up. He's gone away in international duty, played some games, come back fine, all good. But Conroy, I don't know if you agree, but that I think that was a I think that might be a breakout moment for Naby Keita on Sunday. And I know we're talking three and a half years later from when he joins. It could be more than that, but um, I think that's a breakout moment and a breakout game for Naby Keita on Sunday. Because of the way he defends, the way he passes, the way he moves the ball, supports the front men, gets assists, scores. It had everything for him, didn't it? Yeah, I think the, the, the thing is, uh, with, with Naby, um, there's a few times this season I've kind of quietly said this is the breakout moment. And I think I'm going to put my head on the chopping block again. And I do think that's a it's a statement. And, and to be honest, uh, for me, it's more of, the movement from Keita, I know you're just going to bring this up now, that's his pass, Matt, but I actually think um, if we correlate and relate this to at the start of the season, we're all going on about Harvey Elliott and how he was linking in with Salah 
and bringing a new dynamic to the midfield. Well, I've got to be honest, I know it wasn't inverted, but I think even Keita's movement on that number eight side against United, they didn't know what to do. If it's from his goal, the run with Salah, or even the... Um, the second goal, there's numerous times he was breaking forward from the midfield run. I think even um, the second goal, that I don't know what Sean Maguire are doing, but Keita's basically the edge, edge of the D, get winning that ball. His movement was outstanding, and I feel like, that's just to add, that's obviously Klopp's management skills, the genius of him has, has seen a weakness there and went to that. But on the whole, I think... You talk about the attacking side, Gav, you talk about if you weren't sure about him defensively, but Chris alluded to him and Henderson, oh sorry, Kev did on the match of the day analysis, but even the fifth goal, that comes from Naby intercepting, if I'm correct, and then Henderson gets the ball and plays the ball through. I, I think Kea is, I, I don't, you don't have to be built like a brick shithouse to be, you just have to be intelligent and know when to do it. And I think in the past, Kea has maybe been too eager to be the only one who's pressing and not, you know, do it the way the team are moving at the same time. But for me... I'm going to say it quietly, Gav. I think this could be because for me, it doesn't have to be a a dynamic, amazing midfielder. It just has to be six, seven out of ten every week. Can do the job. Can do the job asked of him. And then I think as he grows in that role, you'll get more performances like you've seen on Sunday. The confidence. Now you will have bigger tests in the sense of um, there won't be. No, yeah, well, maybe Brighton will be a harder game in the sense as there might be a bit, a bit more defensive uh, resolute against you. But, however, it's still a massive stage and he turned up. And I actually feel like, I think he will now. I'm looking forward to see how he progresses now. Um, because, as I say, if you look at the stats, if you want to talk about stats this season, Naby, that's, what is it, three goals now, one assist. I think there's a few goal involvements at the weekend as well and in previous games. You've got the volley against Palace, the volley against Atletico Madrid, which they two being off the back of each other, I don't know why no one's talking about. They're like, that's like two of the best volleys ever in anyone's career on the back from a left foot and a right foot and then obviously a goal at Old Trafford that's been quite scarce for us in the past so I agree Gav I think this could be a breakout moment I'm actually very intrigued to see how he carries on from this So am I because and and I think the, I still think the key to it um, for me is how involved he is and by that I mean no niggly injuries no no issues now don't get me wrong he has to come off on Sunday because of a horrendous tackle um, that could have been a lot lot worse than it actually ends mm. up being um, news on that today is that he's okay and also Thiago is back in training um, so that's really good news with regards to those two because we were literally down to three midfielders at the end of that game but even even that news it, it, yeah it's, it's probably a bruise a heavy bruise and maybe um, thank God for the, the shimp had being there but even that news you know six months ago you would have said he's gone he's gone for six weeks and it doesn't matter if it's a bruise he's gone because I think mentally in his own head he, he just couldn't I think he just couldn't get himself if he wasn't 100% he couldn't get himself on the pitch and you see that with a lot of players there's very few Premier League players out there that are 100% fit in any game they play in but there's some out there that will just play when they're 90 80% fit and there's some that just won't they want to be as close to 100 as they can but even that news today that you know Naby seems okay should be okay for the weekend that's brilliant that's 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 even different to what we've heard about Naby Keita for the last little while and you'll get people saying you know well his availability he's, he's been a he's, he's, he's been, only missed he's one game he's played what? He's only missed one game this year, isn't he? Yeah, he has only missed one game. But in previous times, like, he he might have been available, like, you know, and and the the comparison then is usually about him and Henderson. Henderson's played 50% more games than Abby Keita since he's arrived at the club. And 
people would say, well, he was available. Well, if he was available, he didn't play. And the reason he didn't play is probably because he wasn't trusted. And But now I see the trust coming. And I think it's a two-way street. I think Naby Keita is trusting himself. And I think Klopp is starting to trust Naby Keita. And I think it's brilliant. Um, so I, I was just delighted with that. Um, uh, you never walk alone 96 says this. And Kev, will come to you. He says, yeah. being really impressed with Naby. Just thinks he needs to be work on being more press-resistant. Um and I think that's coming from, and I remember this in the first half, Kev, he gets robbed of it. He gets robbed of it in the first half where he, he just doesn't look where, when he's mm. collecting the ball, he looks at what's coming. You know, you'd rob him and go on the break. And that's the only thing I can think of. Small little things like that, Kev, you know, just keep an eye around him and, and, and knowing where his own players are to find him at times. Yeah. And he's absolutely fine, isn't he? But that'll come with minutes. And uh, Look, for me, Naby going forward, no, I've got no problems with him whatsoever. The issues around him were exposed with Atletico Madrid because, look, they were glaring and he was partly at fault for both goals. And it was naivety in both of them. That's all it was, is just naivety. You know, allowing Lamar to cut in on his strong foot mm. from a corner. Should he have been isolated one-on-one? Probably not. And the same time, tracking a runner. It's simple little things, but they'll come with time and minutes on the pitch. It's when he's turned, isn't it, Kev? You know, yeah, exactly. That's, that's probably it's the kind of one. Yeah, that's probably the one little area where, I mean, to be fair, yeah. United, United didn't expose anything like that because no. they didn't didn't allow him to. But that's probably what got him at Madrid. Is they were quite good at making him turn. Uh, yeah. I think that's. I think he's much better. But, he's he's not good running back to goal. But yeah, I mean, but that's, I think that's, a, a, that's a, a development a, area. Yeah. Look, a lot of people are underestimating that result in in at Atletico because of the state of the Spanish league. I'm telling you now, they'll, they're Spanish champions and they'll win the league again. They're a, they're a nightmare to play against. They're very good players. And they're well-drilled as well, unlike United. And Naby had a couple of couple of issues in the game, but no disaster. You know, it was mm. he was culpable, but there's plenty of blame to go around on that side for, the, for that game. Against United, it was night and day the difference. He had a freedom. He was expressing himself. He was bursting his gut to get up there for his first goal. And, this, and the way he took it, the composure in which he took it, it was like, I sp- I I'd say it. that was what, about two inches away from the hair's foot? If, yeah, he looked... You know, it I was so get- close, but it was just the way he took it, side foot, there you go. I think the way yeah. he takes it, I think the guy is going across him. And he just opens his body out, and the guy yeah. can't shift his body. His body weight. He can't get his body weight. The guy, is, the guy was... is actually not bad in the position he's in. No, you know no. he's 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 making. He should be out a bit further for me, because but that's the hair. He doesn't come off his line no. in one on ones. He likes to hold his ground. But I just think it's the body weight. The hair can't get his body weight shifted when when Naby Keita opens his body. But but that's the thing. I think it's the trust. It comes back to the trust, even that goal does, for yeah. me. Because but it's always been the way of a clap, hasn't it? When yeah, when when he over... when he yeah, because when he finds. Rocks. It's the when, same with Ox. Exactly. But when he finds a trust in you, what happens is he, he trusts you to, he knows where he's going to expose you with. And he yeah. has to pick the player he trusts most to be become part of that exposure. And he picks Naby Keita because if you watch that goal, right, Naby Keita well, may, have, may have went and stood in midfield looking for a second ball off Firmino. You know, Naby Keita might have not went looking for anything. He may have held his position. Naby Keita may have literally been standing 10 feet deep of Jota saying can I have the ball because that's what Naby Keita was expected you know he he gets it deep and he runs when he moves it whereas that there was 
I think it was Jota into Firmino. Firmino onto Salah and and Kate is gone. He's not standing around looking to be a playmaker. He's bursting through the middle of the park and nobody's near him. And that's where you need to pick the right player to trust because Shocking. he could have went with Ox. Will Ox do that? Possibly. Yeah. Possibly, Ox, yeah. Ox would have more of an inkling for me to go for that. Do you know what I'm saying? But I think Naby's better, going, Naby's better going the other way. And yeah, I think Klopp actually trusts him a lot more going the other way. But, I, that, but that's where it is. I think he's starting to trust him. I think he's starting yeah. to trust him in all aspects aspects of the game. Yeah, um, but but look, it's it was just it was brilliant from start to finish. Um, yeah, can I, can I just add something, Gav? Before we move on, mate. Um, can I just add this one part that I, I do think is going under the radar? Uh, playing Diogo Jota again after he scored at Anfield, playing the same front three he played at Anfield, uh, sorry, Anfield at Old Trafford last year. It's kind of not getting mentioned. Chris uh, was talking about, you know, the, the countdown to kickoff show and I seen the lineup, and I was, I was, I was buzzing with that front three to be honest, because Diogo but, is showing. Consist- well, but he's showing consistent, consistently why. He's not a number nine, but he does sniff things out more that probably one up. Obviously, Salah's a bit immortal right now, but when it comes to that kind of strikerish movement and the way he kind of he drops to allow other people in, I think Jota's superb. And I'd say this in a few other uh, videos before on the channel, but for me, it's not the front three anymore. It's the front four. And Jota has made a massive difference because I also think Firmino. Has, can play with freedom now because it's not like oh I need to get this many goals I need to be there. I feel like the four Jota's signing is actually now you're seeing it with not the lack of injuries we had last year it's a massive improvement and I just see that goal see that goal see when you've got someone like Trent as well who can find that pass I love a goal like that yeah. that to me that's football because simplify the game do something you're great at he knows when Trent gets there he's going to find me there absolutely you look at the highlights of tapping that's my favourite goal just, just wanted to shout to Jota because again, I think he's just been an absolute bargain of a signing, and I do think his movement goes under the radar, especially not not from you lot, but in some of the the analysis. I just think Jota, yeah, another got, great, effective performance. But Jota, yeah. but Jota does what he's there to do. He's in the box to score goals, and in fairness to him, he's very creative off that left. The Mane thing, I think Mane doesn't start because of Klopp's comments with regards to playing a lot of players that had played a lot of international football and he felt a bit, he, he made a kind of wrong decision there. He says that after the Atletico game and it, well, that doesn't, the Matip thing doesn't stand on that. That's clearly a, a pace thing for me and Kanati. Yeah. <clears throat> but when you look at, I think the Mane thing is, because you have to remember Mane goes away with Senegal and he's literally that main man and everything is piled on top of him. And he, I think he might play it twice three times maybe in the international break. Three. <coughs> so he, he makes that change but the, but the double-edged sword with Jota is although I like Jota through the middle more the way Wan-Bissaka can be exposed by a predatory striker on that back post that's why Jota's there and if you watch clever it clever movement as well Gav, yeah, Gav, but, always but, clever, but eh? if, you, if you watch Manchester United and you listen to Manchester United fans they will tell you that Wan-Bissaka is an athlete He's not great at going forward. He's quite good at defending. He's good at tackling. But his positional sense in the box is horrific. Yeah, and 50, if you 50 get million somebody, pounds. 50 million pounds. Yeah, but if you, if yeah, you get somebody to expose him, if you get someone to, to expose him with someone that's a real goal-getter, and I'm not saying Mane isn't because a lot of Mane's goals come from that area of the box, but Jota is like, I'm in there. and He's a fox in the box, yeah. He's just, yeah, but, he's but, but, look, but, but look where, look, but, where, where does Juan Bissaka when Jota scores? I don't saying. know, mate. Maybe up the yeah. park, guys. For me, the difference the, the difference between the two is Sadio wants to run at you. 
ch- cut in and get a shot off. Jota doesn't. Jota doesn't care. He's, he no, wants he just kill you with movement. Yeah, he wants to arrive. Yeah, and and kill you with movement. Yeah, it is horses mm-hmm. for courses. Jota just wants that. to get there. That's brilliant. You know, and um, he does. It, so I just want to answer this. Uh, Lucky Luciano says Gav has Grizz left. No. Why do you think Grizz has left? No, Grizz is a very busy man. Um, he's look, he's trying to get his own channel off the ground, and he's doing quite well. At it. Um, so he is here on tours. He's he's here every, I think, probably on every second Sunday. He's just doing his he's doing his own thing, and and you know he can't be. He's only one person. He can't be in two and three places at the one time. So no, Grizz hasn't left um, the channel. He's just um, concentrating on other stuff, which he's every right to do. So, um, you know, no, there's no issue there. I just thought I'd ask that because a couple of people have asked and I was like, what? But um, no, Grizz hasn't left. Um, let me see. Oh, uh, let me see. Let me see. Alejandro disagrees with me. So I'm definitely throwing this up on the screen. Um, oh, yeah, nice. I like this. Um, he says, Alejandro, um, mate, says... Gav, I disagree on that. I feel like Manny staying out was part of the game plan. He wanted Jota Firmino and Kate to literally walk through the defence. But this is what I'm saying. Uh, like, I don't know what part you disagree with. Jota will kill you with movement. And that's where, the, you know, I think Wan-Bissaka fares better against Manny if he's in a one-on-one battle where it's pace and it's he's trying to get around you. I think he yeah, struggles yeah. badly when you have a player that goes, I'm not fucking arsed about your pace, but I'm going to drift off the back of you and get in front of you. And that's what Jota does more than Manny. That's where that's where I felt Jota would work. And, and just look at the goal he scores where Wan-Bissaka is. Wan-Bissaka, Jota is Wan-Bissaka's man, regardless. And he's, yeah. he's, he's not in the same post code as him. Um, you know, when he scores, um, not from my recollection anyway. And even if he is, he still hasn't. No, done, Mil- uh, Milner, Mil- Milner's closer to him. Milner's marking Jota yeah. for that goal. <laughs> yeah, Milner's literally like fucking people when Zaggy at the back post. Um, <laughs> Super chat here from Meme Cray8. He says, Pinaldo walking straight off a full time, not acknowledging the crowd was petulant. I see some Manx fans defending him for doing that absolute joke of a club. We'll get on to Manchester United later. Oh, yeah. But um, Liverpool were absolutely unbelievable at cutting off. Um, service the likes of Rashford, um, Greenwood, Ronaldo, Fernandez. They just, they just, uh, ah, listen, it was just, it was just mad. It was a masterclass. Yeah. It was an absolute masterclass on how to take apart a bad side. Um, I think expose our flaws. And that's all, the, that's all that yeah. we did. We didn't have to be special. We weren't. We weren't that good. No, we just knew what no, we, we were we doing. And we, we carried it out. Red Steel yeah. says, um, you reckon Gav could uh, kill you with movement on the dance floor? No, mate, I'm at the bar. <laughs> Fuck that. Unless, come on, Eileen comes on near the end of the night, then I'll oh, let her off. Um, Look out for him in Smoky Moe's in Liverpool. <laughs> it, was, um, it was a... It was a masterclass, and, you know, I think Liverpool didn't get enough credit from the media and certain platforms. Um Following I can the understand game. it on the day. I can understand it on the day, but the analysis in the next couple of days should have gotten more into what we were, what we actually did, and how we did it. Because mm. I guarantee you, the Spurs analyst team are looking at what we did and how we did it. And if they're yeah. not, we'll get to those later. But they too. can't. They can't do what we do. Sports. Mm. They've got a traffic cone up front. It's not. It's a bit difficult, really. Well, it's not even that. Um, Spurs aren't a pass inside. I'm not a pass oh. the moving side for me. They're a bang, 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 try to get it through your side, where Liverpool are, have a, probably one or two power passes in them. But we'll see how they go. Um, I kind of want I kind of want United to get something at Spurs. I want them to get something off City and, and they give them another contract or something like that. Something fucking mad. Which, which <laughs> just, just so um, let me see. Um, <laughs> Imagine he gets an extension. Now, Veranda Cheese is telling lawyers here, so I'm going to bring it up. And I know him personally, and I can tell you he's lying. Because he says... Um, I told you on Friday we'd smashed and Gav and you said I was on the cans. 
incorrect for land of cheese. Um, I told <laughs> I told them on Wednesday we were going my words um this time last week when I got myself in trouble, I think about thirty seconds into this show last week, I said, By the way, we're turning up the old Trafford on Sunday and we are upending Manchester United. And I think I might have went for five or six one, but I can't remember. It was a high score. What you actually said last Wednesday was that Harry Maguire will be sent off in the eighth minute and we will go on to record a record result, um, a bit like Manchester United against Southampton at Old Trafford last season, which clearly didn't happen. And now you're making these words up um this week. So I just thought I'd pull you up on that for Andy. Um, but thanks um, thanks for watching and, and I enjoyed the call um, right um, that's the end of him for 10 minutes or so because he'd be texting me now in a minute yeah, going, right. you are a prick which is fair <laughs> enough um, which is also a true story um, so lads look it was it, we've talked Klopp we talked how good we were we talked about the midfield where the forwards were um, I just want to get on to Preston because you know um Preston, I think I don't know. I don't know what bodies we have. I'm trying to work it out. Like somebody asked me there, would, would you start Manny um, away at Preston? And I think it's going to be. About it. I, I well, I want to kind of see what our approach would be, and I want us to try pick a team between us if possible. So, Chris, I'm going to come to you first. What right. should oh. the approach be to this? Should it be one of um, go strong? Not don't go strong at all. Somewhere in the middle, and. Simulous. I think it's going to be an orange 11. Okay. Um, that we play. So, that we so play you, and goal. you think that's enough, that that's serious enough to go and, you know, get through this and into a quarterfinal, I think it'd be, wouldn't it? Yeah, it's quarterfinals you'd like, next. You'd like to think, because, look, as bad as Norwich are, you know, Norwich did win the league that Preston were in last year, so you, you would think that should be enough. You might just have, a, if anything, a little bit more experience on the bench. As a break glass, it goes wrong. Mm-hmm. But I would go... Well, we all know Adrian's playing because Allison will get a rest and Kelleher's ill. So yeah. Adrian's a done deal. I think, I assume back forward he'd go Nico, Gomez, Simicas, and then I think it's a toss up between Phillips and Canati. If Canati's not playing the weekend, you may as well play him against Preston. Yeah. So you're going, Nico, then, you're going Nico Williams right back? Yeah. Simicas left. Simicast Gomez. Left. Yeah. Gomez, and then either Canati or Phillips. If Canati's not playing the weekend, then you may as well play him against Preston. I think he might play Phillips in this game. Yeah, possibly. I don't. I think he'll go with Kanata. I honestly mm. think he'll want to get minutes. And look, Nat signed his deal when he knew the score. So I don't know whether he signed the deal to up his uh, transfer value or what's the story. I have no idea. But I can't see yeah. any other way that he doesn't play Kanata and Joe Gomez as a centre back pairing. I mean, it any shit from Matt? Any shit from Matt? None no. whatsoever. No, he's still, him, cotton, he's still in cotton wool wrapped in the bubble wrap in the safety glass box. He's grand. Damn alone. Yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> midfield wise, you probably go. Well, I don't, I, do you know what? Do you know what? Don't touch midfield for a minute because okay. I think that's the hardest bit to do. But Chris, just mm. looking at up front, um, Origi, Minamino, Gordon. Gordon's yeah. out. Okay, Gordon Gordon's out. out. Gordon's out. Yeah, he's only just back from an injury. That's why I wouldn't be surprised. If Sadio does start and maybe plays an hour, okay. Yeah. No Manny, Minamino, and Origi, I think. Yeah, that's a, that's a pity. I was looking So was I. Uh, was, yeah, I did hear something um, t- t- that he was. He's been out for the last couple of weeks. He's yeah, he's not back, long back to training. Yeah, he's not long back to training. Okay. And Chris, where are you going for midfield? What do you think? Chamberlain, Morton, Jones. Yeah. Okay, so 
I wanted to ask a question of this, and and you you've gone with Chamberlain, Martin Jones, all right. Um, Kev, we're, we're short numbers in midfield. Should he should he go with a second youngster in midfield and only risk, or is the fact that Keita, um, Keita being okay and you know Thiago, um, due back as well and back in training, does that kind of soften the blow and gives you a little bit more options and you can take a little bit more of a risk in midfield tomorrow? I think there's two things in this. I think Fabinho will be all right for the weekend. And Henderson will be there for the weekend. And hopefully Naby, if not Curtis. But the beauty of the League Cup is you've got five subs. Yeah. So you can go and win it in in an hour and then make your changes as and when. But I'd like to, I want to win it. Do you know what I mean? I want to keep, I want to get you into a quarter final, doesn't it? It does, yeah. Yeah. It's 90 minutes, there's no replays, there's no extra time. You have five subs. Morton has done more than enough in the north, in the bits yeah, that like I've him. seen him in. I like mm-hmm. him a lot. And From what I've looked up with Preston, I look, confess, I haven't watched them. I know a few, a few of the Irish lads are playing for him. Um, <clears> and uh, what's his face? The one who could use on loan? Van der Berg has got permission to play. Yeah, he so has he, permission yeah. to play, yeah. Yeah, and he's been playing as a right wing back for them. Yeah, correct. They've, they'll line up virtually every game for the last season and a bit in a back five, so back three, three four one two or three five two, whichever way you want to look at it. So we'll have most of the ball. And there's Scott Sinclair will play up front, Sorry, bit of pace, that. bit of bit of guile. Number three, yeah, yeah. He's done the rounds, he's been around at a load of club, but he's experienced and he's nippy, you know. So, but he's really their only threat. Alan, Alan Brown is, um, is, it, is it Jacobson or is it Jacobson scored in other rounds so yeah. far as well? So, he's actually yeah. been quite good in the cup for them. So, I think he'll, he'll be in the team as well, yeah. And I mean, I think it was. Yeah, Alan Brown got sent off at the weekend, so I don't know if he's available for the League Cup or not. So if he is, he'll play in midfield. He's got a good pass in him. He can he can pick out players. But if some if a side is going to line up with a back five against us, you're going to have the ball. Morton is going to dictate the play. It's a night you can go and you know deep down it'll be full, it'll be a full packed house. And any championship side, any time I've gone to watch championship sides when I was living over there against Premier League sides, they fancy it. They know that all players are in the shop window. And I've seen players get moves on the back of... I remember Bristol City beat Man United in the League Cup. And the kiddie who's... So I know was Brian, that was, was that Joe Brian, the, the left back? Joe Did Brian got a move off yeah. the back of it. And there was a striker who ended up at Fulham. Um... Decatur as well, Reed. a week I believe. Yeah, Decatur and Brownhill got a move to uh, Burnley. Burnley on the back of it. Yeah, you know, so these lads are going to be eyeing up their futures as well. So, and they know it's a worldwide audience when Liverpool are in town. So, it's not just you're playing for the UK audience; you're playing for moves, God knows where. So, they're going to be up for it. So, if we don't, if we ha- still had this hangover from the weekend and haven't been able to box that off and move on and or I go there with the wrong mentality and expect Preston to just roll over it ain't gonna happen you know these sides can play and if you let them play it they can play it it's um there's a couple of shouts in here and Conor I'll come to you like Musialowski um looks an absolutely phenomenal talent around our 
whatever age he is, he's, he's been playing the twenty threes or the eighteens or whatever he's playing in. Um, I just I I don't it doesn't register with me what team he's playing. I just see him scoring and doing mad stuff, and I go he looks deadly. Um, but you see him, you see Paul Glatzel, who was who was on loan, I think, and was brought back. Um, he's a striker, and I, I've always liked him, and I've seen him. You've got um, what's the guy's name in midfield? There's two of them. Balagizi, but the other guy, Dixon Bonner, is it? Yeah, yeah. Um, they've been kind of in and around the first team squad with regards to training and stuff like that. But Conroy, do you think they'll look to any of those, or you know, a bit of a wild card on the bench that they might get a run out? Because I, I like the League Cup more than the FA Cup. I think we should. I agree with Kev. We should be looking to win this, get to a quarter final, and then assess things. Because as you said, this competition is over come February. But at the same time, you still have to look at it as a chance to blow these youngsters when you get a chance. Could you see a lot of these on the bench as opposed to first team players that are just there in case anything goes wrong? Yeah, I could see there a balance, you know, a, a few in the bench. I mean, you say um, Musielowski, you probably Gordon being out if he wasn't, uh, you know, injured or coming back from that, he'd be a cert, cert to start after starting against Norwich. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you could see one of those wild cards happening, especially if um, you're talking about Manny possibly playing or not playing on that side. You can maybe afford to gamble that wild card and if it doesn't work, as Kev said, you've got the five subs there, you can make the change. I think it'll be a balance. I think some people will be rested uh, and then you maybe just have a, a few a few more experienced players in the bench just in case. Because um, I agree with Kev, I feel like, I think we're maybe, I, I expect us to win, don't get me wrong, but you know what it's like, the crowd's back, the momentum, if they can get a little bit, you know, a a, just about an inch in this game or a chance, just get the crowd going. It's not; it might not be plain sailing. So on that, I feel like just have a few experienced players on the bench just in case. Because I don't know about you, I'm with Gav. I completely want to win. I've always wanted to win this tournament. I don't know why people look down on it. I think it's like a chance to to get to Wembley, win win a trophy, and as you say, win tomorrow. You're through the quarterfinals. Like I'm not comparing, but if you watched Tuchel last night, watch uh, tonight, watching the penalty shootout, he's desperate to get through because I do think we. I yeah, know it's. he needs it not he needs it need it well, but that's where yeah. the Champions League is relevant to this competition because if you're if you're struggling in your Champions League group you're definitely throwing a bleeding league cup game somewhere you know to rest players because you're playing the weekend and you're playing the Champions League game you're definitely throwing it and saying good luck Liverpool are 9 from 9 in the Champions League group they can they they don't need to be resting anyone anywhere and I know people that say well we're not playing for such and such amount of time I know that but when you get to the quarter final it'll definitely be in a week where you had a Champions League a league game then you might have a League Cup game a big league game and then back to Champions League if one of those is going to be the, the victim overall it's definitely going to be the League Cup game if you're struggling in your Champions League group. The fact that Liverpool should go through after the next game is huge, I think, for the for the League Cup campaign because it means then that you can turn around and say, we're through in that. You know, we boxed that off. Let's box this and see how far we can go. And we might have to make a decision further down the line with regards to a quarterfinal. Or, um, I think the semis is probably in January, is January, it? January, yeah. But, um, the only worry I'd have is the the extra... It's I think it's still over two legs. 
yeah, no, it would be, um, but the thing is, I think the quarters might be before Christmas. Yeah, so, yeah, it would be, yeah. yeah they, they, they come around quick this year. Yeah, so and usually our Champions League ends around the middle middle of December, so you should yeah. have that boxed off, so you can actually prioritise yeah. the, the League Cup, if you know what I'm saying, and then yeah. look at it, come the middle of January when, when, yeah. the, when the semi-final is on, so it's one of those. I think the, the way you're earning your Champions League group, I think, has a big bearing on the League Cup and... and um, the FA Cup kind of, it depends where you are in, in those knockout games. But the League <coughs> Cup, I think, you know, Chelsea want to get through there tonight. They're okay in their Champions League group. If yeah, Chelsea were really struggling, well. if they were really struggling, they'd be going, strong go out, well go out. You know, Yeah, they did go strong enough. Um, but look, it's let me get predictions, obviously. Um, we've had a look at the team. I think we're fairly close to each other on what the team might be. And let's see who's on the bench and stuff like that. And hopefully we can get through because I'd love to see us get through and, and continue to push in this competition. I th- I'd rather win it in the FA Cup. Um, Chris, score prediction, please. 3-1. Origi double and Minamino. Okay. Kev? Yeah, 3-0. Uh, awesome. Nice, a clean sheet. I, I, look, we, they shouldn't be troubling us. If we start that back four, we should be fine. Okay. Uh, Conroy? Um, I'm going for 3-0. Um, Ox to score and uh, Arigi and Minamino. Okay. Um, I'll have 4-1. I'll take 4-1. Um, I think we're going to continue scoring loads of goals and I'm all for that. So it's all I good. Just, I'd love Adrian to get a clean sheet as well. The, the guy gets absolutely... Well, he's getting, hammered on, he's getting hammered on social media today because there's a chance yeah. he'll play tomorrow. Which People is want to cop themselves on like. It's absolutely woeful. Um but anyway, that's all the good stuff out the good stuff out of the way with regards to Liverpool, United, Klopp, the midfield, the forwards, Preston. Oh no, we're not, not done with United, Gav. You're definitely oh, not, we're not done, done with United. United but, that, but that's that's the good stuff. Here's the more even better stuff now because we are on to winners and losers. As I said, um, <coughs> we have got some crackers this week. I'm trying to find where me me. Um, Oh, there they are. There they are. I have my sound effects, so I will cut people off if I need to at any stage. So um, we're going to do one by one winners um, and losers. So, Chris, I'm going to come to you first. You're going to give us your winner, and then you're going to give us your loser of the week. So walk away, Chris, your winner of the week. Uh, Mine's West Ham. Uh, Beat Tottenham again. Uh, They're up to fourth now. And I'll be honest, West Ham probably a few years ago, bit of a banter club, bit of a you didn't know where they were going. But... You've got to be honest, um, their recruitment is what United should be. It's recruitment with a plan. Uh, they've got so many good players. They're well-organised. Um, it shows what you, know, you can do with a bit of time. And all that. And they've got some really good players. Zuma and Agbonna are a cracking centre-back partnership. You know, Really dominant in the air, not bad on the ball. I do like Fornells as well. And Declan Rice, who have, I've not always been the biggest fan of, um, is really stepped up a level and... As long as they keep Antonio fit, they're a real threat up front. So I actually think when we play them in two weeks' time, that's going to be a tougher game than going to Old Trafford. Mm. Um, just on the screen there um, from West Ham United, it's a quote from Declan Rice. He says, we've completely transformed the way we are as players, as people. That's down to the manager. It's down to the players buying into what he wants. And every time we go out there, even if we're beaten, we come off the pitch knowing we've given everything. That's a huge thing, I think, for West Ham. Because West Ham, for me, looked like if going back a year, 18 months ago, you got a goal against West Ham, they were done. Um, they just they, they they lived off the adrenaline of being in a game and then when you've scored one against them they weren't in the game anymore but um, it's 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 an interesting one West Ham and, and I, I think it's to compare them to United is it's probably not right in the size of the club 
But the way they're doing things and the way you're right, the way they recruit people, the way they bring them in, they buy into what they're doing. Um, they seem a very solid unit. You don't seem to hear an awful lot out of them. Um, whether it's good, bad or indifferent, they seem to stick amongst themselves. Even look at like the Czech signings, Gav. Like, they've got Kral now, Kufal, Suchek, yeah. even Creswell's kind of developed. Creswell got eight assists last year. That kind of went under the radar as well. Like, I feel like they're... Moyes has done a really good job. You you got to be fair to me. Well, he gets, he gets absolutely you know. bantered around the place, Moyes. But the thing is, if you find him the right level of club and give him the right amount of responsibility, i.e., um, not too much money to spend, I think he's. I think he he's really. But give him the responsibility. Give him the reins, and I think he's showed what he could do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, mean, I think he's done really, really way, well. Because what you can say, if you look at the right back at the moment, Ben Johnson, who's fiddling for Kufal, who's been. Outstanding for West Ham. Yeah, he was and good. And he was good on Sunday. He was good on Sunday. The best, the best you can say about uh, Ben Johnson is you forget Kufal's injured, yeah. which is you know saying something. So again, it's another person coming in who knows his job, mm. which is down to I was I'm taking the kettle. That's down to good coaching and a good structure. So look, I think West Ham have just been um, really good, and actually, I think they've coped very well with the European. Um, yeah. League swap because yeah, we do know the Thursday, league. Thursday Sunday can be a bit of a bit of an issue. I mean, we're seeing Tottenham struggle with that, but um, I do think they cope with that very well as well. Yeah. And do you think they can be top four? Sorry, Gav, do you think they can be top four, Chris? No, I don't. I don't think the squad's quite deep enough. I do think they should be uh, looking to get Europa League again. Yeah. Hundred um, percent, I think so. Uh, Tor says, "Funny how West Ham being decent in Gold Sullivan and Brady have. I, I presume he means have been quiet." Um, they didn't quit the club, did they? No, they've just no, been no, very, very uh, back seats. <laughs> yeah, uh, they've shut the look, fuck up is what you're trying yeah. to tell me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think, I think <laughs> West, Ham, West Ham might struggle in the second half of the season. Hmm. They, they depend on too many key players for too much. And yeah. I think they'll struggle in the second half of the season. A bit like what Leicester do. They'll they'll give you hope. And I mean, you look at when they moved from, up, from Upton Park into the new stadium and all you heard was bitching and moaning out of the West Ham fans that it's not the same. It's just that. Look at them now. The best thing that, that could have happened to Moyes was the fact that there was no fans in the ground. Yeah, he he got so, time to settle 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 the settle the players in. And fans got time to and fa- fans got time to fans appreciate. Got, got used to it. Yeah, they got they got time to appreciate that the the you know. Um, all right, it's not it's not the bowling or whatever they call the other place. Yeah. Um, but it's a football ground that we can go into, and I think that exactly. that's that's um that's um made them appreciate that. Um, no, that's a good winner. I like them. And um, before I get on to, before I get on to your um your your loser, Chris, I just want to mention something here because before I I, I go mad if I forget it. So Jason Surendon Surendran says R.E.P. Walter Smith, and um, the former Rangers and um. Everton manager passed away, I think, today um, after an illness. And, you know, people be, you know, some people be surprised that I'll turn around and say, R.I.P. Walter Smith, because I'm an Irish man and he's a massive hero at Rangers and I'm a Liverpool fan and he was he was a good manager, decent manager at Everton. But I was um, I was delighted to see all the messages from Everton, Liverpool, Rangers, Celtic, Motherwell, all of Scotland today about this man because the one thing that comes up, I don't know a lot about Walter Smith um, other than he's a football manager. Um, but... The, the overriding thing to come out of today was um, how nice he was, how much of a gentleman he was, how respectful he was to who, whoever he was talking to or whoever he was interacting with. And um, 
you know, when you have Celtic fans coming out saying the man was an absolute gentleman after he'd literally caused a misery um, for most of the years he was at Rangers Football Club, I think that's an absolute testament to the man. Um, Conor, I'll give you the word on this because being Scottish, you'll know a lot more about um, Walter Smith than I would, so I'll open the floor to you. Yeah, no, j- just kind of reinforcing what you're, you're saying, Gavin. I know Alan McCoy's fair play to the guy. I think he's got to remember Alan McCoy was um, a player, then assistant coach. So it's like they became a father figure, then became great friends. And he was on Talksport earlier and just basically summed, summed them up. And, and I would say, you know, with the reaction on social media, sometimes it's a toxic place, but you've seen the messages from, like, especially in Scotland, you talk about Celtic and Rangers fans, but there's been a, a lot of, um, from both sides, it's been a, it's been a very, very sad day, to be honest, because just to add, uh, Walter Smith was Scotland manager. We actually went up and his tenure went 70 places up in the rankings. That famous, one of our famous wins against France at Hamden, as far as I'm aware, yeah, it was a Hamden one. We won 1-0. So he's just like, a, 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 for the, the nation, he's just a, a, a football great. But I think as a man as well, you can just tell that with the reaction of everybody, a great man. And it's a very, very, very sad day. It's a, it's a very, very sad day and um, I really feel that it's just been very eerie constantly today and just even hearing you talk about it there, Gav, it's just, uh, it's, uh, just hope you can rest in peace now and I know he's, he's came out today, he's been ill for quite a bit of time, I know Sunis was up at the weekend to see him there and a few other Scottish uh, people or, or, or football friends went to see him, so just, yeah, unbelievable uh, person and unbelievable manager and uh what he done, I know on the Scottish side of things, I'm not going to make it all about football, but it's like he achieved some amazing things. He twice Rangers manager, so went away for ages, and a lot older he came back, and then he won three championships in a row. He won 10 titles and 21 overall as a manager. I mean, that's crazy numbers. And uh, there's a really good image if you go on Twitter, I think. Um, so if, I don't know if you know who Tommy Burns was. Yep. So when they were the Alan McCoyst, Tommy Burns and Walter Smith were the, the, the three, the two coaches and the manager at Scotland's national team. Now that's a, a massive Celtic man and two massive Rangers. But do you know what? Do you know what? It's like, it kind of brought that curiosity with the nation. And then there's a there's a really picture which you've got when Tommy Burns sadly passed away, you've got Walter Smith and Alan McCoy's carrying the coffin out. And I feel like um, I've seen that about a few times on Twitter today and it's just a, just shows shows the, the connection they three had and it's just a really really sad day but thanks for that Gav because it's just it's obviously it's a very very um, special and, and great man for a Scottish legend so it's really thanks for mentioning that cheers it's, it's no there's no problem at all because like he, he is a massive figure in football in, in, in the UK regardless of what way you look at it and regardless of who you, who you support and you know when something like this happens um, who you support or or I suppose your, even your religious allegiance um shouldn't come into it because you know and and people might think that's a bit strange saying that but that's what a lot of things can come down to um in football um your religious allegiance um who you support where you're from and stuff like that but i was i was not delighted that's the wrong word to use a man has passed away but i was really happy um to see the the outpouring of emotion and the outpouring of respect and, and love for walter smith today and um, especially where it was coming from, because I think it shows that regardless of what happens on a Saturday or a Sunday at a game of football, 
they're all human beings at the end of the day. They're all just out there making a living. And, and you know, as much as you might be tribalistic about, you know, team A or team B, these 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 guys play each other and then they know each other from one end of the week to the other. A little bit like you're talking there about um, Tommy Burns and, and Walter Smith, Ali McCoyce and stuff like that. So it's just one of those. And I didn't want to let it pass, um, today pass without, without saying something about it. Um, but uh, moving away from this, um, I'm back to you, Chris. Um we have your loser of the week. Who is your loser of the week? Oh, it's a rapper's army. Uh, the, the mighty Everton. Okay. I'm, I'm liking this. You see, we're building this up, aren't we? Uh, this do you is know what I mean? Yes, you know what I mean? You know, um, so I I t- went out with my family and I seen Everton 2-1 up. I thought, oh, well, 15 minutes to go. Sound. Came back, my mate texted me because I had no reception. It said, uh, fancy throwing a blown a lead like that. So I thought, oh, it was the Drew. And I saw they conceded four goals in 12 minutes, including a hat-trick to a lad who they basically decided wasn't good enough for him and didn't play him in um, Josh in Josh King. And I absolutely <laughs> love his, uh, his post-match where he just basically went, I had, I had a point to prove and he gave it the big one. But yeah. it was just the most Everton result I've ever seen. And they're basically the opposite of West Ham. They're paying the price for shocking recruitment uh, over, last year's, over the last few years. They've had plenty of money with Machiri and they've spent it badly and they've recruited badly and they're now reaping what they sow really and uh to honest, it's quite glorious to see really so i've i've quite enjoyed it well um dan austin um from the anfield rap had this tweet up at the weekend and, and I, I fucking loved it he said josh king taking six months wages off the blues for a total of zero goals in 11 match- matches before turning back up a good at some of his new club and bagging three in a late comeback win Every time you think you've seen peak Everton Football Club, they prove you wrong. God bless them. Um, so that was an absolute belter from the weekend, and and um, yeah, Everton had to be up there. We couldn't we couldn't let that pass because I laughed my head off on Saturday. Look, I, I remember literally being in the house on Saturday, right? And I think Everton went one up very early on. Watford equalised, I thought, and then Richardson, I think, makes it 2-1 on 63, 64 minutes. And I thought to myself, right, that's that done. You know, they'll, they'll push on now. And I genuinely did look. And I came back and went, what? What the fuck's going on here? 5-2. And I was like, I have to go and look. And you know, on the app on the phone, like you get all the things, but then about 15 minutes at the end of the game, it comes up, official highlights available. Yeah. And I just, I was tapping on the Everton one as quick as I could to see what I went down, you know. <laughs> But um, yeah, like just uh, it's not even that. It's I'm just waiting for this Rafa stuff to bubble. It's gonna blow, isn't it? I'm I'm it's absolutely definitely gonna blow. I'm I'm well, um, my blues mates have already added off now. Yeah, I, I'm I'm waiting for the bubble because there's a there's a couple of things there that their FFP they're all over the shop. Ninety five percent of their um, income is being covered by wages. Rafa Benitez is there. They're, they're starting to stutter slightly, and it's going. To, do you know something? I could see us bashing them in the derby. And I don't know if we're home or away to them for us this season. Um, I'll have to, I'll, I'll, I'll have to go and check. I hope it's away. And I could see us going there and bashing them. And then literally run for cover when they, when that happens because it's all <laughs> going to go absolutely insane. Um, but Benitez, Benitez looks like he's aged about 15 years as well. Have you noticed that since he took over there? He looks like dusty. yeah, he's starting to look like the, he's he's starting to look like they've put um the sepia um filter on him yeah, when he's doing the oh, when, he's doing, when he's doing the interviews. So it's, Gab, it's all set it's all set up. It's away, and because of the TV, they've moved it now. So it's now on the first of December. Right, at, at derby games in December normally go quite well for us. Yeah, good stuff. Um, 
let me see uh, Red Steve is getting abusive he's getting aggressive and it's not towards us for once not towards me for once which is absolutely cracking but he does say the losers of the week are the 270 people watching who haven't hit the like button you know who you are he's calling you out there lads Jesus I don't even have to do it myself um, Red Steve is absolutely having you off there with that um, to, be fair for Red Steve, to be fair for Red Steve that's quite polite it is quite polite. He's usually very abusive towards me, and I've, get, I've got used to it. Um, I've literally settled into life as being abused by Red Steve on numerous occasions throughout a week. But um, that's that's your winners and losers. So let's move across to Conroy, winner of the week. Well, well it kind of correlates with Chris. Thanks for that, Chris, stealing the thunder. But um, no, the only joke can be, it was um, Josh King. It's because you stole uh, my answer. No, I know, I know. Sorry, mate. I, Chris never forgets. Um, but jo- Josh King is, um, I've said before, proven Premier League striker. When he was at Bournemouth, he could play behind the striker with Wilson. Intelligent, good footballer. And I actually wanted us to be in for him. I've, I've liked Josh King. If you watch the type of goals he scores, you can tell he is intelligent, even at his Blackburn Rovers time in the Championship. And um, I always thought he was, he was good enough for the league. And I know it didn't work out for Everton. But I watched the highlights a bit like Gav had the, the match of the day highlights on, and uh, to see King score those goals, and actually it was like the first one just kind of kicked his confidence in as well, because then it's his actually second goal where he like he takes the top off and goes a bit mad, and then the last goal, last goal, he doesn't cut it back, he rolls it back on his left foot, and actually he waits a little second and he just passes it on his left, he's so his right foot he rolls it back and passes it on his left foot. I was really happy for him because I actually I, I do rate him. Uh, and I was buzzing for him. And to score a hat-trick like that, when you, you probably think Bournemouth went down, you've moved, you've been bandied around a few teams, it's not working out, and then to kick your Premier League season like that, fair play. And yeah, I think he deserves a shout-out. Yeah, um, I, I definitely think he does. Um, you know, he's he's at everything there, and he plays 11 games, and I, I, I just think he was there at the wrong time. I've been impressed with Josh King anytime I've kind of watched him. I like the way he plays. He is. He's strong, he's quick, he's direct, he's an eye for goal. He's done really well at Bournemouth. Um Injury or two, though, I think has hurt him. But in saying that, um, you know, to come back, to come back and, and do that to Everton was just glorious. And I seen a video today of it's from the main stand in Goodison. Um, there's a good <laughs> video on, on his phone, and he's absolutely just gone level one to level ten, apoplectic. Um, it just it was so fucking good. Um, loser of the week, Conroy. Loser of the week is um, any broadcaster that doesn't employ Peter Drury. like Because he's actually, it's not even a fluke now. He's actually that good. It's getting ridiculous. I know you've got the one there, Gav, but yeah. in that, I think as well, it was like, it just, there's a few times in that commentary where he just smashes it as usual. He just, you're meant to feel the emotion. You know, you're not meant to feel, oh, is, is that commentator being biased or is he being too unbiased? You're just meant to enjoy it. And I feel like there's some there's other guys, Jim Beglin, I just think they're on a different level. And to be honest, I'm just getting a bit annoyed. Why have we not got these com- these commentators are generally the best at what they do. So my loser of the week is any broadcaster who's not employing these. You can maybe say AKA Sky Sports and BT. Mm-hmm. I just don't see why the other countries are doing it and they're great at their job. So they, sh- they, sh- they are the best. So just wanted yeah. to shout out them. Peter Drury is very poetic in the way he, he and he seems to very articulate. I, I, I don't know what like you hear people saying like that commentators script this and if he scores they'll do this and st- they'll say this and that but it seems to roll off Peter Drury's tongue like it's just so natural like um, 
like that one there when Salah scores, Peter Rory's words are, and he captures the moment, the moment. The man is extraordinary. The match is extraordinary. The scoring is extraordinary. Mo Salah. But um, that's like, oh yeah, beauty levels, Gav. You know, he's like, that's, he's trying to, like, he feels like that makes people feel it. You know, they're going to remember that. It's got to be, because it's like, it's an iconic game. And it's like, but then you just get all of them scored. It's like, <laughs> we just got a fifth goal at Old Trafford, mate, honestly. Yeah, I just—I I agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. Um, Kev, winner of the week, Ibrahima mm. Kanate. Nice, like it. Tell, Look, talk to me. He—I was a fan of his, like Keith, when um, he was at, at Red Bull. Red Bull, and I thought he's the one. He's definitely the one. I thought we should be after. <laughs> I watched him for France in the under twenty ones, and he just looked a colossus. He he's a boss. Then when he come in, you know the bedding in period. You know it comes, and you saw a glimpse of him, and then you see the team sheet, and you're like, "Holy shit, he's done it! He's only gone and done it." First time he's partnered with Virgil. First time he's played with that back four. We caught United offside seven times in that game. Mm-hmm. That line was perfect. Yeah, he never dropped. He never flinched on a set piece. The only worry was maybe being dragged out to the right hand side once or twice. But when he did, he handled himself and got back in. It was a huge occasion. He'd have grown up watching this game. This is the biggest club game in the world over the weekend. It was the most watched game in world football this weekend, and here's this kid making his away debut against your bit of rivals in a back four that he's never played with outside of training. And he was, he was fucking perfect. And then you see the size of him. like He should be a second row for France. Never mind centre back for us. He's a unit. And he's only going to get better. The scary thing is he's going to give Deschamps a decision to make this summer because I think he's that good. And if he kicks on this season and has the season I think he's capable of having, he'll go to the World Cup and he'll start. And if he's not starting, the French public will be on the demanding. Yeah, because because he's he's got the capabilities to be much better than what Varane is. Now, Varane is a good centre-back, but he's not a leader. If this kid develops a, a vocal side to his game and a leadership side to his game that we've yet to see, He's going to be different. He's going to be levels. Honest and, to God, we have no idea how good this kid is going to be. Yeah, and for and the it, price we paid, it's almost like you should go back and say, "Look, let's have ten. Go on, have another ten. Just we're sorry. Yeah, we feel we bad. Yeah, but the, <laughs> but the thing is, like, it's not like he's he's moved and gone to say, or he's in still in Germany, where mm. do the French public t- pay an awful lot of attention to German football? He's in the Premier League, and everyone watches it, regardless of yeah. where you're from. What your allegiance that everyone watches it, and and I think you know, I think I think you have a point. I think if he pushes on and, and he pushes Matip to be Virgil van Dijk's partner and plays the majority of games for Liverpool this season, coupled with the fact that Liverpool could go deep in the Champions League, you'd have to look around and go, why isn't he starting? You know, yeah. you'd have to look around and go, why isn't he in the squad? Why isn't he pushing to start? And and yeah, I think he could. I think he could give the Champs a uh, between think, himself and Jules Conde. Between yeah. the two of them, they're they're the two that are really going to push. And I think if you're doing it for Liverpool in the Premier League, that pushes you ahead of Jules Conde doing it at Seville. Yeah, but the only so, the only thing I would say is, and um, 
Darren Dunbar, there's he's he's a bloody unit. Um, is Darren was that you yesterday? Um, roiling up Barry Glendening on on Twitter. I think it was you. Um, fair play to you. Um, <laughs> was it? Was it? It might have been you. I'm not too sure. But basically, someone was winding up Barry Glendening, who does um. He does the podcast with Richardson, doesn't he? Yeah, he or does he the Guardian to, one. Yeah, he does the Guardian and, um, one. Basically, Barry Glendenny was saying, you know, you're not getting better analysis off fan TV, blah, 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 blah. And um, I think it was Darren. And I, I, could be, I could be wrong. But he said, well, you should watch the Day Trippers um, if you want an unbiased opinion on proper football chat. And I just told Barry, I just said, Barry, I wouldn't bother me. And we got drunk and talked um, about our favorite karaoke songs. And uh, <laughs> um, in fairness, Glendenny did turn around and go, sounds good to me. So he probably did listen. So if you're listening now, Barry, um, you're very welcome. Hit like, yeah, like and subscribe. subscribe. Yeah. Or, or we get, or we get, there you go. We get Steve off you. Uh, we get Red Steve off you. But anyway, um, yeah, I think you're right. I think they might. I think they might have a decision to make. And but having said that, as I said, some people in the chat there are saying, "Keep away, keep away from fucking um, international." That might just be down to game time, guys. If if it becomes like the recognised pairing for the rest of the season, but if it's maybe not sparingly, but you know, Matip maybe if he's uh, injury free, plays the majority. Mm-hmm. Do you think that might come down to decisions as well? Yeah, it could do. Yeah, it absolutely because, could do but... because it's a late World Cup as well. You know, he's got the rest of this season and the first half of next season to cement it. Yeah. it, it you never know. I mean, these kids will have grown up on the, on Laurent Blanc and Leboeuf and the history of France winning World Cups. Look, they're going to want to. They're going to want to play. So, I hope he's. I hope he's in with a shout because if he's in with a shout for playing for France, that means he's doing the job for us. And mm. uh, we've we've just bought an absolute diamond for a pittance. Yeah, really and, and you know what? Um, people are saying keep them away from international football. But if you play as that well for Liverpool, it means we're doing something right, and we're at the we're 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 somewhere at the business end of the season, and and yeah. that means that that's the swings around. But Darren Dunbar confirms that it was him um, having a go off Barry Glendening yesterday. That's Somebody, uh, Steve Thomas, yeah, play, Darren, that's brilliant. Mate. That's is a funny man. I'm I'm sure Barry kind of looked and went. Hold on, is this a podcast telling me not to watch them? And um, because they're just drunk people that like karaoke, and it was basically that, yeah. Because I've got to the stage now where listen, likes, subscriptions, all that are great. Um, but the, the, I'm just here to have a good time, and whatever comes with it, comes with it. That's the way I am. Um, I've literally got cans and cans and chaos, mate. Cans That's and chaos, yeah, and having a good time, and anything else that comes after that. Life's too short. Have a good time. And if we if we get bigger and bigger as we go, great. If we don't, I'm happy doing this with whoever's watching now and we just keep drinking cans and having a great time, genuinely. Um Kev, loser of the week. I'll tell you what, he got he's getting away with it at the minute, but Nuno mm. Espirito Santo is yes. absolutely getting away with being fact. a spoofer. Well, the fact that Ollie is having such a good time at the wheel is deflecting a lot of attention away from a fair few managers in this league, no more so than than Espirito Santo. The idea I was, do you know what? I felt so sorry for Matt because. Well, there's I Matt there. Matt Hayes says I truly do not care what this man has to say ever. <laughs> do you know when it comes Matt to is, you know, Santo? Matt's the most Tottenham Tottenham fan you'll see in your lifetime, but he will call a spade a spade and he will tell it as it is, and he he's seen enough. And in all fairness, they're third in their Europa Conference League group. Yeah. You know, and Ren will win it. Ren are good. Uh, Ren are a decent side, and Ren will probably top that group. That means Tottenham are out of the the Conference League. That's probably look. They're they're not fussed about it. It's a it's a no win for them anyway. They're not going to make any money out of it. 
uh, best you can qualify for the Europa League. But the, it's not the, the defeats. Sides lose games all the time. West Ham are a good side. It's the manner of the defeats. It's the manner of the football that he's playing. They sh- this is what we were saying earlier on. United should be, or Tottenham should be looking at how we dismantled Manchester United at last weekend, going into this weekend, five o'clock kickoff. The eyes of the world are going to be on that game more so than any other. And Tottenham has some good footballers in that midfield that can play through that United side if he sets them up that way. he done it with Wolves and he's made Wolves the most boring. They went from an entertaining side to the most boring side in the league to watch. Now they're, they're entertaining again. He's doing the same with Spurs. And it's the one thing throughout the history of watching Spurs throughout the 80s and the 90s and the noughties and all the way through, Spurs played entertaining football. It was soft. It was unsuccessful at times. But you knew what you were going to get. You were going to get attacking football. He is the most negative manager I've ever seen in my life. He is robbing a living out of the fact that he was Jose's goalkeeper and that he's he's friends with an agent at Wolves that got him in there and fed him players. I, he's an absolute disaster for Tottenham. And the longer Tottenham stick with him, the bigger that hole is going to get because the truth of the matter is at this time of the season, the points difference in the league is minimal. The goal difference doesn't lie. The goal difference tells you the truth about who's having a good season, who's having a bad season, and who's having who's in a false position. Spurs are in a, at a minus six goal difference, and that should put them down around twelfth or thirteenth. Forget where they are at the minute; they're in a false position. They're, they're bottom half, mid table side, with their main striker who's looking to get out the door, and Young Min Son sat there looking at you. Want me to to take balls off my chest from fifty, sixty yards? That's not my game, you know, and that's what he's asking them to do. The head tennis that he tried against Arsenal was a joke, you know. I've I've yet to see them play a good ninety minutes under him. I think they've been appalling. They're they're an abs- They've they've overtaken Arsenal as the joke club of the Premier League for me. Do, do you know what the big thing mm. for they me really is? Have. Do you know what do you know what the big thing for me with these is? And I was thinking about this the other day because I was watching. I watched Wolves on the Saturday away at Leeds and I watched um, Spurs away at West Ham on the Sunday and the difference here is is that I think he's quite a pragmatic manager I think he's quite a defensive manager that looks to hit you on the break if possible right and at Wolves yes he was being fed players he definitely was right but he was being fed players that were looking to prove themselves and move on i.e. Jota Maybe uh, Neves that'll move on. A Traore may move on. Um, Neto, may, Neto I, coming yeah, in as well. Neto was the was, same. I'm, I'm amazed that um, Rui Patricio. Yeah, was Patricio and goal um, has moved yeah, on. But, moved on, but yeah. when you look at, I'm, I'm amazed that the striker hasn't moved on. Um, I think if it wasn't for his injury, he'd. Have been I think that. he would have. Yeah, maybe so. Um, but he was he was getting he was getting players in that wanted to go to the next level. So in order to do that, they had to buy into what he was trying to do. And do it as the best of their ability as they could and then get that move, right? Jota being the perfect example of that. What he's gone into now is, is he's gone into a spores that have been riddled with problems because of COVID and the move to that stadium. They made a usually naive appointment in Jose Mourinho and then got rid of him. And he's gone in there, I would say, as four choice 
in that manager ranks. I think Fonseca was before him. I think uh, Conte, Conte was before him, and there was definitely someone else in the mix Ten as well. Hag. Um, Ten Did Hag you say Fonseca, Fonseca as well? Was yeah, Fonseca yeah. was there. Yeah. yeah, and and what he's done is he's gone in and he's trying to he's trying to put into place what he done at Wolves with a much a squad with way more egos in it, and I don't think the work ethic in it, and I don't think the the willingness to try even change and I think you're seeing that in Harry Kane massively I think you're seeing that in Son to a certain extent and I definitely think you're seeing it in the midfield who are looking around Hoiberg's a footballer he's a good footballer yeah. he's a six but he's a good footballer sure. you know um, other players in that midfield Deli Ali is a footballer although he's fell off a cliff but he's a footballer and when you look Dumbledore at those midfield, yeah but though, and then Bele is about getting the ball and moving through midfield and what they're being asked to do is basically bypass the midfield and look for the midfield to pick up scraps and it's hard to do. It's hard do you know to what do. It's like? it's like watching Jack Charlton in the 90s. Lobbing a ball from back to front over a good midfield. But the thing with Jack Charlton was, is he had, despite the players that didn't want it, they committed to what they were trying they to do. They committed to it. They all bought into it. This, this is, um, this is, this is something that's not bought into it. And I think they're going to struggle. And, and that's why I think you know you might go and get something off them. But I think he's definitely, I think how long will last, Gav? How long will well, last, I, Gav? I, 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 the only thing I would say is I think Kev's right. I think there's a reflection there because of Solskjaer, what's going on. Maybe Arteta earlier on in the season as well. Yeah. And he's going under the radar. But you see, Daniel Levy wants to get rid of him. He's paying another load of money. And then they know he's desperate. And then they'll know he's... And, and then it, someone coming in mightn't fancy it, but go, I'll get fucking... I'll get 15 million a year, a year out of this. So it's one of those. Here's the biggest thing with that. Newcastle are going to be looking for a top-end manager. Yeah. Man United is a job waiting to happen. Mm -hmm. So any top-end manager worth their salt is going to wait and see what happens. Spurs had their chance in the summer to get a good coach, a good coaching setup. Yeah. And they fluffed it. I mean, Daniel Levy, the great deal maker, he's had a disaster. He's had an absolute mare. And the, the this notion that he's, he's some wheeler dealer in the transfer market and this and that, nah, sorry, not having it. He's an absolute spoofer. Let's be honest. Let's we we can also bank on Chelsea might sell might just sack Tuchel if he wins something because yeah. that's sure the Chelsea model. They don't intend to last more than two years. Do you know so. what, Chris? I I don't think that I I think as long as Tuchel can keep the dressing room sweet at Chelsea, hmm. and that's he, a tougher ask because his Tuchel's problems with PSG was more to do with the board and Leonardo than it was with the players. There was a couple of egos in there that he wanted out. But his problems were more above his head. Right. He had some problems at Dortmund. He was like that at Dortmund, though, wasn't he? Yeah. He, he, eventually, he eventually falls out of everyone. He just does it in a slightly different way. So Yeah, he's got an abrasive personality. But I honestly think that... I think Chelsea will stick with him for the medium term, I think. Mm. Well, look, I think he's definitely um, a decent loser of the week. Um, winners of the week for me are the Liverpool fans inside Old Trafford on Sunday. They had what looked like the best time that I've seen in a long, long, long time. So um, I want to give a shout out to them because they had the absolute crack. Um, Ole is at the wheel. They were making up songs. They were making, they were singing along to the tune of United songs and putting their own words to it. They had a ball um, and they didn't have to wait long to start it rolling. They were literally four minutes after the uh, the whistle went. They were one up. Um, after 40 minutes, they were two up. After 13 minutes, they were three up. After 47 minutes and still in the first half, they were four up. And after 50 minutes, they were five up. They had the biggest cheer of the day came when um, Ronaldo's goal was disallowed. 
<laughs> and they were shouting his fa- famous "Swee" or whatever the fuck he says. Um, so shouting the background. Yeah, um, so that was that was absolute the crack. Um, so fair play to them on that. That is, they're definitely they're the winners of the week because do you not not even watching them. And and Shiny made a point of the night. He said, um, he said, uh, you know, whoever the Sky director was was definitely a scouser because he just kept going to the crowd and the, the content you got over. And then since the content there was since from Liverpool fans that recorded it and stuff like that has been absolutely brilliant. The Red Men TV have a, a yeah. brilliant T-shirt out at the moment. Um, with it's basically Fergie and Kenny's face that you're seeing on the TV and the scoreline. So uh, check that out. Um, that right person's now. good at their job, eh? You've got to be quick there. That person's yeah, the, quick the, as them, anything. Them boys are good at the merchant fairness. Um, they've they've thrown that out, and I did see. It oh no, I mean, I mean the the sign-up, the the guy, the photographer who who saw. Oh Kenny yeah, yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah. Like bang, bang. You knew where they were, and he and he got it, and the timing was absolutely unbelievable. But um, the Red Men TV got that out there, and fair play to them. So if you want, if you want yeah. a bit of um. If you want a nice memory of it, uh, walk away and get yourself one of them. I've not, I've no problem fucking promoting anybody on this show. As I said, we're here for a good time. Um, they're definitely, they're definitely the winners. Um, they're definitely the winners of the week. The losers. You think they were in shock when they scored the fourth, Gav? Do you actually think if you're in the ground, you probably would have been in shock when the fourth went in? Because I was like, I've seen, I've seen content from a few people. Um, I've seen content from a few people saying they didn't see it. They, they, yeah, they, they were all getting their points. Or yeah, because a lot of people will leave. <laughs> just when it goes forty-five, they'll they'll leg it and try to get out for their point. And then there was a roar, and then someone came down and went, "It's five, or it's four. Sorry, it's four. Yeah. And you're like, "Wow!" But um, all Neil says the Ferguson that Gleach thing was amazing. It was cracking. The timing the of it was unbelievable. Um, the fifth one's the best for me because you can see because you can see everyone coming back who's obviously had the, the, a pint or something at half time yeah. so they've not seen it but then you see the other half walking out yeah. and you can see the, well, you can see the conversation where you can see going it's five and you see loads of people go okay it's a rack around they go back to yeah. it's, ab- yeah. it's absolutely um, it was absolutely brilliant um, losers of the week uh, Manchester United um, it's Manchester United Arsenal you're off the hook this week I'll get you back next week don't worry about it but there's a little clip there from um uh, NBC um, a picture and it's um, 65 minutes and there's thousands stro- um, streaming out of all traffic. That was traffic. a steady stream all. That was a steady stream from about 30 minutes, 35 yeah. minutes. When yeah, there was showed. people. And it's when the- Tyler said there's a few hundred and it shows in more a few thousand because I yeah. was like, you did the mass properly there. There's yeah. about a thousand people. Um, Red Steve says uh, the tall boys missed the fort. Yeah, they did. That's why I actually heard it. Um, Maybe in John Gibbons, I think, talking, saying that they missed the fort, going down for a point, and then got, got the shout to say it's four. But listen, what a day for the Liverpool fans. Loser of the week is Manchester United on so many fucking levels. It's untrue. Um, you know, the Manchester United fans, Manchester United f- fan TV, um, various ones, um, Manchester United uh, affiliated pundits, um, People on the radio, um, Gabby Agbonlahor. I have to throw him in there. Um, fucking, what a, I can't, I can't even go there. Um, but they all felt that you know you could turn up and do something and convince, convince themselves of this, and they were absolutely hopped off. It's as simple as that. They were hopped off. Um, Gary Neville's behaviour during the game um, was amusing. I have to say, mm. it was amusing. Um, Tyler tried his best. Didn't really get there, but he tried his best, and. Afterwards, it was painful watching Gary Neville speak about Manchester United and try his best. It was the best well, verbal gymnastics 
I've I've seen in a while because he a non politician in a long he time. doesn't he doesn't have a go with the manager, but when he basically wants people to jump on the backs of the owners, right? And when even Sunes mentions the the coaches and shows three or four snippets and says where are they being coached, he basically has a little snap back at Sunes going, well everyone's going to get the get the blame here, aren't he? And Sunes is like, well who do you want me to blame? You've lost five nil on the pitch, and the people are uh, people are. are responsible for on the pitch can we not have a go with them so Gary Neville was embarrassing and painful um, he was even he should have had his phone taken up the following morning because he got worse on social media and then the the, the one thing that really kind of amused me today to, to a big extent um, I wasn't going to have a drink tonight but because of this I have they are counting down the minutes until Solchar is sacked they're linking them with every manager they can think of and at the same time, they're telling you it's the, it's the owner's fault. Now, before United fans, or if there's anybody in here, are going to jump down my throat about the owners of Manchester United. Let me tell you what I understand about the owners of Manchester United. They bought that club around 17 years ago on a loan. They never gave a penny. And what they've done is they've used Manchester United's money to pay it back. They've taken probably between 1 and 1.5 billion pounds out of the club on top of that. In that time that has passed since probably 2004, I think, or 2005 when they bought it. Um... They are on the verge of selling shares worth 170 million, which will they, they will keep for themselves. And um, they're probably sitting on a three billion asset that's currently running at a 450 million pound loss. Out of that loss, they take that out of the three and a three billion that they could sell it for. They walk away with two and a half billion on top of that one and a half billion. So they take a four billion million Manchester United in 16, 17 years. And I fully understand the frustrations from Manchester United fans. But to turn around and tell you, that it's the Glazers that's at fault for what happened on Sunday. And everything is Glazers out because of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is madness, in my opinion. Madness. Um, it wasn't a couple of weeks ago that Gary Neville was backing um, Manchester United to finish above Liverpool in the league. He was telling you that there was something not quite right at Liverpool. Um, and he was telling you that because of the signings... Um, of Varane, Sancho and Cristiano Ronaldo, United would at least finish second. Um, he didn't feel they could win the league because he didn't sign Harry Kane, apparently. That was his fallback. That was his insurance policy. Okay, but it's gone from that to it's all the Glazers' fault again. Okay, their only fault is keeping hold of only Ole Gullar Solskjaer. Everything else is down to him, that man. And what he's done. He has brought a lot of them players in. He's decided to keep a lot of them on. And he's put in place tactics. Um, the way they play. The way they run around. Um, and you know. It's, I can't understand. You can't use the Glazers day in and day out. You simply can't. So um, they are the losers of the week. I'm sorry for going on about it for so long. But um, something needs to be said. When a group of supporters. And fan TV. Uh, pundits. Um, radio people and um, people affili- affiliated with Manchester United are literally using a thing about the owners that they shut up about when Cristiano Ronaldo walked through the door and they use that as an excuse and then wanting the manager out on top of that. If they want the manager out, they should be blaming him on what he's done. They don't seem to be. They seem to be blaming, not blaming Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, but blaming the owners because Ole Gunnar Solskjaer is there. Not because Ole's, not what he's done or what he's achieved or not achieved. So it's, um, it's one of those, but I'm sorry about going on, but he are, they are most definitely the losers of the week. Um, I think that's about it. We're bang on an hour and a half. We're getting good at this. Um, we're getting good no, at this. But no, no funny noises tonight. No, no funny noise. I've kept them off uh, no, as a, uh, as a, as a mark of respect to, um, 
I don't know. Don't know. <laughs> Kept Mark respect. Whoever you feel it could be in a remarkable respect to. Um, Sienna steps, as I said at the start of the show, um, four thousand short of the hundred and twenty grand. She is going to make it there. There is some. There is some um, stuff going on. Um, nights that they're doing, putting on in, in order to raise that money. She's going to. I think she's going to America in probably two weeks' time. So, um, look, if, we can, if they can absolutely make that official in the next two weeks, it'd be brilliant. And look, if they go above the 120 and get to 125 and, and it makes them even more comfortable in, in what they're paying for in the recovery, that's brilliant. So the link is in the description. Go and check that out. It's in the show description. It's on our Twitter. It's on our website. It's everywhere. Um, the new show that's coming in a month's time is called Man On Football Channel. That is in the description as well. It's a YouTube channel. Um, it's going to be two shows a week to start off with. It's going to be broad football discussion from, you know, if we find something interesting in Wales, we're going to talk about it. But we're also going to go mad over some player in the MLS at the same time. We're going to do two shows a week. We're going to have loads of fun doing it. Um, we want people to come and support it. And not only support it, but have a laugh at it. We literally want to have a laugh at it. We're going to start supporting football clubs, obscure ones. We're going to be giving updates on them. And we're going to all so sorts SPFL of chatting there, guys. SPFL. Be, uh, the tour division in Scotland. And oh, I'm yeah. 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 I, I, might, I might try see if there's any decent golf courses near Elgin and make it, you know, oh, I'm going to Elgin for work. And, a few oh, beautiful distilleries, mate. A few beautiful yeah, well, distilleries. Like, mix it all up there. So, listen, if you, if you check it out in the description, um, we're launching in about a month, two shows a week to start with. But if people like it, we're going to make that more and more um, as much as time will allow us. Um, so that's about it. Chris, anything else before we go? Yeah, just uh, keep an eye out for LFC women. They're playing on Sunday against Lewis. So if they win, they've got a chance of going top of the league. We have uh, a and show they- coming at the end of the week, haven't we? Yeah, fingers crossed. We're just waiting to get one more person tied down, but fingers crossed that should be out hopefully Saturday. So fingers crossed. So the women are doing well at the moment. Um, three for three, three wins on the bounce and beat Villa on penalties in the cup. So it's going well. Okay, good stuff. And um, as I said, yeah, we're we're just finalising another one of those monthly shows, aren't we? Which have gone really well. I've really enjoyed them. So anyone that hasn't watched that, go and look up the go and look up the women's show playlist on our YouTube, and you can check them out. Uh, Conroy, anything else before we go? Um, no, no, mate. Just check out Ian Holloway's uh, recent interview. I sent Gavit. Absolutely hilarious. Absolutely, what a character Ian Holloway is. So, open goal on YouTube. It's an interview with Ian Holloway. You watch it and you feel like running for a brick wall. The guy is just outstanding. So check that out. Okay, yeah, he's all right for a gas head. Uh, <laughs> Kev O'Sullivan. Anything else before we go? All good, mate. All good. Uh, congratulations to Republic of Ireland women's team tonight. They did a good away win in Finland 2-1 uh, and put themselves in with a chance of uh, qualification for the World Cup. So that'll be huge if they can if they can get there. Uh, okay. England had a win tonight, I think 10-0. 10-0 against Latvia. Yeah. I think the Republic only just missed out on the Euros, didn't they? Only yeah, close. exactly. I think we, if we carry on the way we're going and win the games we're expected to win, then we should get into a playoff for the World Cup. So, fingers Good crossed. Stuff. Fingers Good crossed. stuff. Women's football definitely on the way up and a lot more people paying attention to it, which is a really good thing. Um, yeah. Red Steve has two uh, comments in here that I want to finish on. The first one, the Man on Man Action Channel. I don't know what you're insinuating there, um, Red, <laughs> um, Red Steve, but it wouldn't be like you to finish off... Um, without, you know, throwing something their way because um, you were a nice area and it's not like it. Um, uh, but he does finish off with, there is a jet fighter um, at the petrol station in Elgin. No joke. 
So he's not even telling jokes. So there must be a Jeff where just in the car. Park <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, you, you, you do. I get this. There's one like kind of I've seen a few. You get kind of like the wee memorial bit and the, the Jeff fair. There's a few of them in Scotland actually. Yeah, Scotland's pretty class, guys. Pretty good. Like I've been, the, I've never, been to Edinburgh, but I, I genuinely I, I watch it. I watch a YouTube channel called Golf Mates, and it's basically lads from around the Bolton area. Um, they've. They've 160,000 subscribers. It's a brilliant channel. But they basically go out playing golf in the local club. Um, then they might go off in parts of Lancashire, Yorkshire. Then they go off. They cook up. They've been over in, um, the United Arab Emirates playing golf all over the place. But, um, they, they've done a trip. They've done one trip in particular where they've rented a camper van. Now a big one, you know, like an RV, like a bit a decent size one, fits about four lads in it, which are golf clubs and everything. And they've done a trip around um, Scotland playing golf, and it's genuinely gone onto my bucket list. Like I couldn't think of anything better than picking up a van like that, lashing the golf clubs in, and just driving and finding a pub and a golf. Yeah, there's loads, there's loads of golf courses as well, Gavin. Scotland, I, there's loads. I of genuinely would love to do it. Genuinely, I'd love to go to Scotland and do it, because um, Scotland has the Ireland have some has some unbelievable golf courses, but I still think mm. Scotland has the best, best yeah. golf courses in the world. So, um, yeah, it's it's one of those. Um, Avo says, "Great show, lads. Thanks for spending the time to please us. No problem at all. Um, we do this as much as we can." Uh, Drew is determined to let us know that Mark Aubridge's real name is Brent. <laughs> Fair play. Um, I didn't know that, but there you go. Um, I don't know how it's relevant, but he was determined to let us know. So there you go. Um, we've let people know. Um, Marcus, Marcus good in fairness to him. He's good at what he does. Uh, some of the videos over the weekend, though, he got absolutely lashed. But I think he takes it in good, in good he spirit, does. in fairness to him. So, um, yeah. he knows what he's at. He knows the game he's in and he's prepared to take it. Um, someone clipped him up to bits before, uh, the game and threw it into when the game was actually going on. And it was, it was brilliant viewing, but, um, I think Mark just, it's water off the ducks back. Um, Rest of the week, tomorrow, pre and post match for, uh, for Preston. Thursday is Carnage. Friday is Sports Unplugged. Me and Kev are back again for that. Um, pre and post match Saturday. Keith is looking after the fatback for on Sunday because me and Shawnee, um, me and Shawnee are going for a drink. Um, a really long drink. Could be a wet. <laughs> yeah, a really long drink. So, um, we might be back for Monday. Um, that has been the midweek fix. Thanks a million to Chris. Thanks a million to Conroy. Thanks a million to Kev. Thanks a million to everybody in the chat. Um, the comments, as always, were brilliant. There's loads and loads of likes there as well, which is, which will please somebody. Um, it kind of goes over my head, but it'll please somebody. Uh, that is it. Talking a bit over now. Sports Social Podcast Network.